Welcome to House of Hope Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message from this past Sunday. For more information about other messages or events at House of Hope, visit www.ihope.today. some here for the weekend that 
was saying to you. Something was triggered within you. And um, it reminded me again this morning of the importance of that. And uh, Ann and I were talking about it in the context of, of uh, prayer. Um, uh, watching over what he's already established, what he's already done. But I felt I just needed to give this, I don't, the word admonition sounds far too severe. <laughs> but I think it might be a good idea if you consider this. And, and again, um, I'm sitting here this morning doing worship saying, Lord, guide it out. As a teacher, but as an exhorter teacher that wants to hit your heart, rather than a teacher teacher that wants to give you accurate information, there's both, you know, in, in, uh, in your motivational giftings, exhorters and teachers. And I'm the one that wants to hit your heart. So there's times that you might follow a slight temptation to kind of make the scripture fit where you want it to fit. <laughs> and that really throws the teacher teacher into a tizzy, <laughs> believe me. But I had this one this morning, and, and it, it came to me again, and I, I, I see that you love using the passion. I hope you don't use that as your sole source of reading the word. But I tell you, it really puts color in it, doesn't it? And, you know, it really touches you where you are. You really can see the understanding. And, and, and so it reminded me of what Paul is saying to Timothy in one particular section. And um, I felt the Lord smile on me, me being able to adapt it for us here and, and for me this morning without distorting the word, okay? And so it's from 2 Timothy 2.11, and um, Paul is saying to Timothy, and he has anointed me, and I'm going to make it for us, okay, for this. He anointed me as his teacher of truth, the Cranbrook and the Valley. The confidence of my calling enables me to overcome every difficulty without shame. I have an intimate revelation of these words from God, and my faith in him convinces me that he is more than able to keep all I've placed in his hands safe and secure until the fullness of his appearing. And here's the word for you guys that have heard. Allow the healing words you've heard from me to live in you, and make them a model for life as your faith and love for the anointed one grows even more. Here it is. Here's your responsibility. Guard well this incomparable treasure and the word that you've heard that came from his heart for you. Guard it well with the help of the Holy Spirit living within you. In other words, these hearts, the ball's back in your court. There's somebody, somebody, I don't know who it was, some preacher somewhere said, I didn't like it. But he said, you're responsible for what you've heard. Not, 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 you're not responsible for what you've listened to, but you are responsible for what you've heard. And so I just, um, um, and just put that over there. I just want to drop it or something. Yeah, I, I just needed to leave that with you this morning. Um, when I go home, whenever we're going home at some ungodly hour tomorrow morning, there's been a deposit. In fact, I think one of the other translations says, guard the rich deposit that's there within you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit. Well, don't let it that figure away. Actually, an interesting thing that happened to me a few, a few months ago now when I was wrestling with some things in my own life. And I woke up, you know, when you um, um, are waking in the morning, sometimes you're in between that 
asleep in a wake part. Sometimes that's when he really speaks to me. He drops us something really fast, and I, I have to grab it and write it down so it doesn't fritter by the time I get downstairs for coffee. But, but, but anyway, I was in this place, and he said, consider and don't forget your core identity. Oh, yeah, you can, you can chew on that one. My core identity, I realized that that's almost like the, the word that's in my heart. Like, I, I, I chuckled when I looked at my stuff that I'm going to give you this morning because for some of you, it's, it's, there's been that thread of the same truth all through. I just realized it was not done on purpose. The thread of the same truth has gone all through from Friday through Saturday morning, Saturday afternoon, Saturday night. Well, here it is again this morning. Some of the same scripture, some of the same words. Same words. And, and, and it comes from who I am in Christ. It's coming right into who you are in Christ. And he wants to, to, to watch says, Consider your core identity. And then I heard him say clearly, um, stop being swayed by all the other ideologies that are out there. I thought, wow, wow, wow. In other words, I think, um, can I have that water? I think that he's honing in. He's, he's, he's causing things to get um, much more clear, much more explicit and tighter. Excuse me. So with that, I thank you for your word this morning. I thank you that um, you've already planned a landing place for it. <coughs> you've already planned hearts. I thank you, Lord, that you are opening up the eyes of our understanding. You're opening up revelation to us so that we can grasp the magnitude of who we are in you. What it means and that the very same power, the very same spirit that you used when you raised Christ from the dead dwells within us. Thank you, Lord, for this morning. I have all sorts of words I could call you. <laughs> secret weapons. There is secret, a secret weapon. One term, I suppose it sounds rather flippant, but you're out there in your world, in your places of assignment and that, and we just look like you. Jehovah's sneaky at work all the time. Remember, I talked last night about being glory carriers and light bearers. Carry, you do. You carry his presence within you. Not only is his presence upon you, I think I might look at that up this morning, but his presence upon you, but he's there within you. And at his time, at his moment, oh my goodness, expresses himself. You don't even know it. You're carriers. You, I declare to you this morning, I prophesy, you are tremendously infectious. Tremendously infectious. It's time, though, that we began to grow. I mean, I've said this several times in the weekend. It's time that we began to grow from theory to reality and to understand that, you know. But when I say it's time we begin to realize or experience the reality of what we believe. Okay. And, and this morning, I, I'm, I want you to see yourself. Thank you for the worship. Thank you for the songs. Thank you for your offering declaration. That offering declaration had so much more in it than just your declaration for an offering, believe me. I think we may do it again before the morning's over. I want you to see yourself differently. Um, I, I want you to become, I have a whole new just kind of a click about this. People say to me, well, what do you do? You're in an airport or you're, you know, getting your hair done or something. Well, what do you do? Oh, you're a speaker. What, what kind of speaker? So you're stuck here on the spot because you don't want to sound religious to put them off. But, you know, you kind of sneak around. Well, I'm a, so then I'm not, when 
terminology I use in some places. I'm, in a, I'm a motivational speaker. Oh, good. That, <laughs> little do you know. And then I laughed. I just remembered that sometimes I say that because I laughed at, at what I had here in my notes for you. Because, you see, I want to help you become a possibility thinker. Well, you know, my name isn't Mrs. Tony Robbins, so they're, you know, the possibility thinkers. And, and I thought, well, you know, this has nothing to do with self-focus, self-protection, self-improvement, all that stuff that the motivational speakers out there talk about, you know. But by becoming a, a possibility thinker, uh, I think we need to learn to think biblically, not according to our lovely Canadian, you know, and North American culture. We've got to learn to think biblically. Huh. I was, ta- I was speaking to a group uh, a couple of weeks ago requiring a, an interpreter. And I was talking to some of them about an interpreter later. So you, you get to a point where if you're um, multilingual, you also think in the other language. Like if you're French-Canadian, then when you're in the French mode, are you thinking French? But when you're in the English place, are you thinking English, or are you having to translate from French to English and back and forth? You should go. You know, isn't this interesting? Wouldn't it be awful, awesome, if we were so thinking biblically, we didn't have to kind of make everything work to fit. It, was just, it would be right there. And I think in Philippians 4.13 from Amplified says, and here, there's a motivational statement. Here's a, a possibility thinker statement. Where, where he says, I have strength for all things in Christ. I'm ready for anything. Really? I love what you said. Isn't that you that in a moment? Recognizing a moment. Somebody said that, and I thought it was you. Yeah. I have strength for all things in Christ. I'm ready for anything and equal to anything through him who um, infuses strength into me. Uh, you see, if we were really thinking biblically, we wouldn't have to argue that. Not like it was all right last week, but boy, it's been one inch of a week today. You know, listen. No, I'm thinking, hey, in the middle of that, I have strength for anything. So I want to just put that this morning. Well, there's a much quoted verse, I'm sure, that you know, and I'm going to give it to you from three translations to see if you can catch the common thread here. It's from Ephesians 3.20. New King James. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly, and to me exceedingly abundantly means far more than. As a matter of fact, that's the title if you need a title for this morning's message, far more than. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly far more than all we ask or think according to the power that works in us. Hmm. Listen to it and amplify it. Now to him by the action of his power that is at work in us, is able to carry out his purposes and do super abundantly, far over and above all, far more than, of all that we dare ask or think, infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, hopes, and dreams. Oh my goodness. And then from the message. God can do anything, you know. Far more than, uh, that was in there, I didn't know, that's, far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. He does it not by pushing us around, but by working within us, his spirit deeply and gently within us. Really? Yeah, really. There's another aspect of those verses that I'm going to look at this morning. 
And uh, to get to the point, I'm going to read you something from Acts chapter 3. I'm going to read the first eight verses of Acts chapter 3. Better we read it rather than just my own paraphrasing it. Because better be careful to just read what it says, not act in two cents for every other thing. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Now, a man crippled from birth was being carried to the temple gate, called Beautiful, where he was put down every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John, and Peter said, look at us. Well, the man gave him his attention, expecting to get something from him. And Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. And then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. And when all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. I know you all know that story. We're going to go back to verse 6. Okay. Well, a couple more things I can't, I, I just can't stop the temptation to have two senses. First of all, the man gave, see, I want you to picture this guy. He fully expected, say expected, expected to get something. And I remember Gary Goddard, who's my teacher here, I remember when she was teaching on this years ago, we used to giggle. She was a King Jamesy person. And, and she said, well, here's the man who was expecting something. But you know what? He got, uh, instead of getting alms, got legs. Uh, uh, for those that you don't know these things, so what's that? Alms, A-L-M-S was the currency. That's what it was called, an alms. So instead of getting an alms, he got a leg. Okay, whatever. But what I want you to get is that the guy was expecting, was expecting something. Okay. And Peter said to him, look at us. See, he looked at him. And Peter said, oh, now come on, let's get into everyday language. Could we hear? Peter was not broke. He didn't say, oh, I don't have any money. But I have, I'll give you, I don't have any money. How are you saying, I left my wallet at home. No, no. Because they own a fishing fleet, for goodness sake. You know, so, you know, silver and gold, I do not have those. Such as I have, such as I have, I give you. So, what I want to ask you, here, here we have, uh, here we have cooperation. Order teacher likes response, please. Such as I have, I give you. Well, I, I, I read that and think, well, does he know something we don't know? He must know something to be able to say something like that. Well, I don't, it would be good if you turned into twos. Do a miracle and turn into a two. Find someone to communicate with and, and, and answer the question and then tell me, such as I have, I, I give you. My first question is, please don't sit there and just stare at me. I really need a quick answer, or we'll miss lunch, okay? Because <laughs> I have about four questions to ask you. First of all, such as I have, I give you, well, what on earth did he have? Right, you, you just, just for about a second. What did he have? You see, it's good to have to think a little bit yourself and communicate with your mouth to another person. What did he have? What did he have? 
so many. Okay, well, I'm, I'm not negating your answers. But you're closer. <laughs> I got something. I've got something. I'm going to give it to you. What did he have? Oh, is he going to give going to give belief to the man? Come on. I have, okay. So you said, somebody said, well, you have faith and you have the Holy Spirit. He's going to give it. Oh, that's just a have. Oh, I have the Holy Spirit. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. Who's going to give it back? I want, all I'm doing is getting you to think as you read the Bible. Well, um, where did he get that? What do you think he had? Where did he get it? Where did you get it? I got the word. Where did you get it? Okay, give me a bad answer. Just give me an answer. <laughs> oh, come on. Where did you get it? You're not quite sure. Such as I have. where he got what he had. Some of you haven't told me yet. Well, somebody said it's a little bit close. Well, let, let me ask you a question. Um, I want a serious answer. Who do you have? Who do you have? Come on. I hear some mumbling mumbling. Huh? Oh, gee, let me that, that could be a big one. That could be another whole weekend. <laughs> Somebody hit by a car, 
the strength, the healing, the anointing, the everything that you need, you know? And that's what he gives you. Uh, would you say that he that would you would you say that he gives you power? Now that's not a that's not a bad word, power. Sounds like it's a you know. I don't think that we walk really believing. I'll give you a couple of examples, testimonies like that. Listen, Peter had the faith of God in him. Now, I, you know, I hear those of you who weren't here will we'll get the instance here. But here I am again this morning. All of a sudden, I think I'm supposed to be learning something from this myself. You need to know that as I'm teasing you and I'm pulling, I'm trying to pull truths of life out of you. I'm wrestling with it first. Absolutely, absolutely. But listen again, especially for those of you who weren't here. Galatians 2.20, and again, I love the passion version of it because it's pretty clear, much more clear than some of your other translations. My old identity has been co-crucified with Jesus and no longer lives. And now the essence of this new life is no longer mine, for the anointed one lives his life through me. Come on. We live in union as one. My new life is empowered by the faith of the Son of God who lives and loves me so much he gave himself for me and dispenses his life into mine. That is not, as some of your translations have it, it's not your faith in Jesus. It's the literal faith of the Son of God who lives there within you. And this is what Peter had within him, and it manifested when it was needed in a moment of time from his spirit as a gift of faith. And as the gift of faith was manifested through him, as he expressed it, it was, all, it was also able to be imparted to the, the crippled guy to receive it, because that's what the gift of faith does. When it's a gift of faith in operation, not only does it um, uh, not only is it able to be expressed through you, but it's passed to the recipient as well. It's different than your everyday faith that, that, that you walk in, you know. So Peter had the gift of faith, he had the faith of God in him, and then that came forth as a gift of faith, which stirred him to say, wow, I don't have any money to give you, but what I have, I give you. If the faith was operating in him, and I thought, now, I'm not sure if I got this from from our friend Bill Johnson or not, but, and it doesn't, well, there's lots of things that the scripture infers but doesn't say, and so you maybe think you're adding something, but I thought this was quite interesting. He saw that, he saw that faith was imparted to the man, because it says you're taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. Yet, it doesn't say this, but you can see, I haven't got it here, I've got one here. Here's the guy, he's, he's holding out his mug for the money to get put in. Now, it doesn't say whether the man was right-handed or left-handed, but the, the, the law of averages when the, the man would be right-handed. He's holding his mug in his hand to get the money, okay? And it says here, taking him by the right hand, he would have had to put the mug down because, you see, he wouldn't need it anymore. It's like, remember we looked at blind Bartimaeus? How, how uh, Jesus knew he had faith to be healed was because he threw away his beggar's coat, which was, was his identity. <laughs> I, I, I didn't even re- remember that I had this in my Bible. Excuse me. 
to this thing. I wonder how we would respond in a situation like that. <coughs> My goodness. What an example of power evangelism. Holy Toledo. When you, when you carry on in, in, in the Bible and you see in um, Acts chapter 4, that many believe, in fact, 5,000 were added to the, the kingdom that day. That miracle, that simple, that simple expression of the gift of faith from him that you carry as well, waiting to be manifested as the Lord releases it, <coughs> was a door opener. That, that miracle didn't win, win 5,000 people to the Lord. It was a door opener. If you read your scriptures, it was a door opener for the word to be preached that brought people to salvation. Okay, Miracles do not save anybody. It's the releasing of the word that does. You see, it was the door opener. Now go back to Ephesians 3.20. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly, far more than all you can ask or think, according to the power that's at work in us. Oh, my gosh. You see, I always used to think about the strange thing called an anointing. But um, if I was in the right place at the right time, I had been particularly holy that week. Whatever. But maybe God might use me. So some kind of a a great zap would come from the heavens somewhere on me and ignite me to do what I had to do, you see. Or so, when you do those strange thoughts when you're young, you get smart when you get old, hurt. <laughs> and that, I didn't realize that I, that I had to come to see, you see. The spirit is within. Now, I know it sounds, yeah, I don't ever want it to sound like a broken record, but I, I, I just feel like this. Remember I told you about Kenneth Hagin, how long are you going to keep preaching? Mark 11, 24. You've been at it for 50 years. Haven't you got anything else? He says, I'll change my, I'll change my tune when you get it. Somehow, I just don't, don't, don't seem to get it. And then, I, you know, as I grew up, I began to see this whole business about my core identity. Really, who I was in, in, inside, you know. Spirit within, new creature in Christ. He united us one with him. Um, the abilities within, that the life is within, and so forth. And the truth is that Galatians 2.20 thing. And realizing, and I know you know this, but you see, it just helps reinforce what you already know. There's such a difference between Christianity and being a lovely church person, you know. And even some that are caught in ho-hum religion, okay. There's a difference between that and a person who has Christ within. You know, we can be in church all our life. And still not have Christ within. Okay, but, but the difference between Christianity and, and one that's had the miracle of their spirit re- being reborn, literally becoming a child of God. We sang that song this morning. The songs were so terrific. I am a child of God. Say, say it with me. Put, put, put your own belly. You know where it is. Don't you know more than others? Yeah. Yeah. I am a child of God. Whether you like it or not, it's a fact. Amen. Okay. And you know, you've been you've been made for a purpose, a dwelling place. I mean, we, like you're simply we, we, we put so much on this thing. It's simply a hollow unit designed to house spirit. Oh, that's getting a little bit too. Hollow unit housing God. You're Penthouse, tabernacle, all sorts of terminology. You're a container, Second Corinthians 4. Says we're just simply like a, a pot. Cracked a little. But, but a lovely bunch of crackpots. Because, because that, the life that's within us can come out. You read it yourself so that the glory, the power that's seen 
no matter what I need to say this, I think it's an encouragement to somebody. I remember when we teach you on the gifts of the Spirit, it's so important. Mentally handicapped, mentally challenged individuals that operate all the gifts. Because it doesn't come from your smarts. It comes from the one who lives there within you. Friday night, we talked about you being a branch. Simply a branch hanging there. There's the one who produces the fruit. We keep coming and coming. But the fruit of the Spirit, He produces the fruit. You do not produce the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of His life. He produces it there within you. It's in the sap and is that designed to flow through you. It will manifest itself as fruit. We're simply there to be carriers of that. You know? And the last night we talked about you being glory carriers and light shining in the dark world. Oh my goodness. I think I said this to you. Good old Bobby Connor again, our Texan Texan prophet. One of the purposes for being a Christian is to make an invisible God known. I mean, I, look at yourself. You just you look at yourself. You said, little old me, Randy Carter, little old me. Can you imagine one of the purposes for you being a born-again child of God is that through you, an invisible God would be shown, would be known? Because that's far beyond our North American intellect. And I think many in the church have been kept in, in such ignorance about the more than power that, that dwells within them. Okay? There's power within a believer that's not of them. There is a life and a power within you that does not come from you. Okay? You cannot produce it in the natural. I don't care how many Bible studies you go to, you know, how many groups you go, you know. Everything you go through to enhance your walk as a believer, you cannot produce the things of the Spirit in the natural. This resurrection power is what Paul talks about in Romans 8, the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Okay? The law of the Spirit of life is in Christ Jesus. Acts 1.8. I know you know all this scripture. You, Jesus said to the, the people before he ascended, you shall receive power. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, when he's come upon you, do you know, do you know how, many, how many years do you think I've been teaching about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, being filled and da 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 da, and always having this funny little niggling, um, not question, but inability to express myself about it. Um, clearly, I, 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 I know I, I had that. I did it, but there was there was something that was just missing. It was a slight click. It wasn't, wasn't getting through. I mean, I could, I mean, you believe this about two weeks ago? The duh. First of all, he's speaking to, you know, ones that are, are with him who already have the Holy Spirit dwelling within them. And it's oh, back into Luke, uh, Luke 24. Oh, where's the other one? Was it John 20? I, I get my scripture right here. It's just coming to me this morning. I, well, even, even in Luke, I think in 24, it says, You shall be waiting in Jerusalem. You'll be clothed with, clothed with power. Clothed is like an upside thing. You'll be clothed with power, you know, after the Holy Spirit's come upon you. Holy Spirit's come upon you. And, and people, you know, you think, so when you're born again, the Holy Spirit takes up residence there within your spirit. You become one spirit with, with the Lord. Okay. 
now comes this other thing. He says, wait, because something else is going to help happen that, that is going to help you along your way. Okay, wait until you're clothed with power. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. Um, you see, you have the Holy Spirit in you for you. But then you have this Holy Spirit on you for others. Now, I mean, I knew this, but I couldn't. Can you imagine? I can talk about just about everything. But can you imagine? I couldn't articulate that, but I saw the difference. So much easier to explain to people what the baptism of the Holy Spirit is. You're not getting a, an added boost to the one that's already there within you, like an added anointing of the one that's already within you. He said, wait till you're clothed with covered in power from on high. So you, the Spirit is within you for you and upon you for others. I don't know if that does anything for you, but I'm sure something clicked uh, with me. If you find a heart, you finally get trying to get some things that you've been walking in for a long time. You see, the time we began to experience the reality of what we believe, you know, I tell you, it's ever so much, um, that poor grammar, ever so much easier. <laughs> somebody, rather than hope so prayer. We're filled with the Holy Spirit. Oh, we're coming filled with the Holy Spirit. Blah, blah, blah. Well, they already are. Now, now, it's when you receive power. Now, you can go home and digest this and take it apart and receive it or not. You know, it's, it's, um, it's between you and the Lord. <laughs> You'll receive power when the Spirit's come upon you. Why? Why? To be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Mary, and around the world. Well, that one, I always had difficulty with that because uh, I'm not um, strongly evangelistic. I'm not one that goes out, you know, and, 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 and can get, you know, draw people into the kingdom really fast. I think it's Kenneth Copeland that says, uh, uh, you catch them, I'll clean them. Okay? That means both. You need, you need both. Okay? And it's a power to be my witnesses. You mean, if, if the Holy Spirit comes upon me, then I'm going to be equipped to go out and meet people on the street, meet people in the park, go door knocking, and, it, you know, all the things that we, do, we think of in evangelists, being touching people to the Lord with us. Be witnesses. What am I being witnesses? Well, uh, if somebody really want to know my story all the time about, let me think, the Pioneer Camp and some of his experience got saved every summer and then went for about another 10 years before I met the Lord again. But people don't, you know. Well, some of you, I know, in this room have dramatic testimonies, which when you give them to certain people, is the trigger. It's the trigger of silver and gold I have. I none, but such as I have, I'll give you my word of truth. And man, that warps right into their, I think they get it. But the word that there is, you'll receive power to be me. Not just talk it. But to be. And he's designed you and me to be ones that carry his life that are an accurate demonstration and witness of the fact that he is raised from the dead. I don't want to be a false witness. I don't want to be a, be a lame duck witness. Is there a power within and upon that enables us to, um, to show him in such a way that he's alive and well and planted earth? You know what I mean by that statement. But, you know, don't, do, you, do you wrestle through words like this? Or do you just, just read it and just take it at face value? I'll point it to start to think about it. It's hard to think about 
Corinthians 4.20. I love it. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, 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 talk. The kingdom of God is not a matter of word, but in power. If it were a matter of word alone, if it were a matter of the talk, 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 the United States and Canada should be the most spiritual, there should be the most spiritual continent on the face of the earth. Because we've had talk to us come out, and you know what? But it hasn't done a thing. But I'll tell you, when you get the declaration and the demonstration, moving together, oh, that's quite different, don't you? Declaration and demonstration. I'll give you a couple of examples there. First Corinthians 2, 4, Paul says, My speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and in power. First Thessalonians, I can't have a couple things, Thessalonians. First Thessalonians 1, 5, I feel like I'm one of those mouth guards saying when I say Thessalonians. Our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit. Church, how can we get ourselves from the place of pastor? How can we get ourselves from the place of word-only people? Word and demonstration. Word and demonstration. Word and demonstration. Word and demonstration. Daniel, I love Daniel 11.32. The people who love their God will stand firm and do exploits. Really? Yeah, come on, Cranbrook. But there's one more thing here. It's not just power evangelism. There's another reality that we need to appreciate, and I often miss it. And uh, I like to call it presence evangelism. Presence evangelism. Oh, my gosh. I'm not going over Exodus 33 again, as, as, as we did last night. You read it for yourselves, verse 11 on, if you weren't here last night. But, but when Moses dialogued with God, he, he said, if you don't go with us on this journey that you're sending us on, we're not taking one step out of here because how will anyone know unless your presence is with us? And it would have to be obvious. It isn't just kind of some kind of vague meaning, you know. Unless your presence is with us, what makes us any different from any other peoples around? <coughs> and, and that's when God says, my presence will go with you. My presence will go with you. I love Moses' boldness. I wonder if we would ever think we had such a relationship with God. Should we should have the Holy Spirit on. We should have it on. Imagine having that um, gall to talk to God. Hey, sir, read my lips. Your presence isn't going with us. We're not taking one step tonight. That sounds too nervy. Sounds awesome. I'm just, I'm just sort of thinking this now. Your presence going in us, well, we're just going back to potluck suppers and bingo games. Right? Is, and you know what? Ben and I were talking about this morning. Sometimes we kind of shut down some particular assignments that the Lord gives us or declarations of who we know Christ is and who we are. You know, I got laughing. I said, well, why do you think we would have any better odds than Jesus? I mean, he made the mother mad, sad, or glad. If you're looking for the anointing of Christ, then you can expect <laughs> that you make people mad, sad, or glad. You can, you know, develop that a little bit more. Presence is in, presence is on. I'm not sure. If I shared this, then I'm some of, our, some of our stories are so, such oldie goldies are so good. 
why would you want to reinvent the wheel? I mean, there's new ones happening all the time. But I don't know, or some of you, when, when I was here last, when was I here last? A thousand, thousand, eleven years ago. I'm, I, I, I may have shared this or not. If I did, but I'm just kind of pretty quietly in the spirit. Used to, I used to have this woman's thing that men always try to sneak into, but I had this, this uh, wonderful woman's thing called Wake Up Call. And sometimes, you know, 40, 50 women would come on a Wednesday morning, in the word, and a lot of the gals that came were so hungry for the word, for, for life circumstances, they were in a particular a fellowship that were not terribly friendly to the word of the Holy Spirit and, and, and women in ministry and things like that. And so this one little gal that came about, oh, an hour, no more than an hour, closer to an hour and a half from, from Toronto, but she was there every Wednesday morning because she was so hungry for the word. And, um, and, and so, uh, but they didn't, they weren't part of our church fellowship as such. Um, they, they decided that they needed to go. They, they were coming for a while, but they wanted a, a, a church that had a, a super a program for the youth. They had a couple of teenage kids. So they began to go to this uh, one particular church in town, and it was um, a place that, uh, uh, again, did not appreciate the move of the Spirit as we were starting to, and, and also definitely not women in any place. I mean, they were welcome in the nursery, in the kitchen, period. Less seriously. But one day, she's in prayer, and she hears the, the Lord um, the Lord say to her, uh, Jan, I've uh, designed you and called you to be an evangelist. And she thought, <laughs> she said, you're, wait, wait, you're kidding. How can I be an evangelist? She still had the, this was years ago, she had the mentality that the only place one could do valid ministry was, was in the confines of the local church. She said, how can I be an evangelist? All I can do is help in the Sunday school or work in the nursery. You know, like she couldn't teach any male, I think, over the age 12, because that was moving into other territory, I think. But how can I be an evangelist? And he sort of said to her, well, you know, would you be obedient to what I ask you to do? And being the naive little sweetheart she was, she said, sure. Huh. Can you imagine what he told her to do? I, I'm just, I'm having recall about this right now. So I'm not making it up, I'm just I'm trying to remember the story as this was. She lives in a place called Alliston, Ontario. And that's about an hour and a half north of Toronto. And uh, maybe um, maybe half an hour to the um, east of Alliston, you start to get over toward Lake Simcoe, you get over to Barrie. You've heard of Barrie and Aurelia and that, that whole area north of Toronto. He, um, he said, um, I want you to um, I want you to go to every Tim Horton shop. And, and we're, we're, we're still thinking miles. Sorry, you know where you are. If you're in kilometers, you can change that. He said she was directed to go to every Tim Horton shop in a 60-mile radius around the town where she lived. Fortunately, there weren't as many there as there are now. But she started. She goes over and she starts, and she starts over on Highway 400, and she starts in Barry. And what she takes her, all she was taking the Bible was, now listen, she had over two weeks doing this. And anyway, she would go like for several hours a day until she hit every Tim Horton shop in a 60 mile radius around the town. Not ridiculous. She didn't eat donuts or drink coffee every place she went. Bible, she would sit in a place and she would read the word. I tell you, she got so fat and roly-poly in the word. <laughs> no 
she would sit until, and, and sometimes she would she, she, until she got the nudge to go. She'd maybe be there for five minutes. She'd maybe be there longer. Other places, she'd be in and out the door. My goodness. So if she did this, she went the whole circuit, went all around. But it just sat there, had her bird, in and out. Nothing. I was just ridiculous. She was able to do this because she was a stay-at-home mom. And she had her own vehicle. So she, you know, God knows who he's asking to do things, you see. So anyway, she's on her second trip around. And I, I don't know, I can't remember, was it her second or third time around? I think it must have been, she must have been at the two and a half point. She's in this one Tim's, as she's sitting at a table um, uh, back in the corner, and she's got her Bible open, and she's reading her Bible. And this woman came up to her and said, oh, they said, oh, there you are, here you are again. Oh, can I talk to you? I'm so glad you're here. And Jazz said, sure. Yes, of course. Sit down. You know, I have a daughter. So sit down. She said, she said, she said you were here two weeks ago, weren't you? And you were sitting, you were sitting at the same table you're sitting at right now. And and, and you had, you know, you were reading something. You you're reading something again. What this is reading? You see a setup coming? She said, can I talk to you? And Jenna said, yes. She said, I need to, I want to know what happened. She said, I was in here two and a half weeks ago. And um, I got my coffee. This is going to be my last coffee. Because I have a note in my purse from my husband. I fully intended, when I uh, had my coffee and, and, and when I left, I fully intended committing suicide. And I had it all planned. I turn around, I pay for my coffee, I turn around to go up the door, and I look over, and you're around, and you looked up at me and you smiled. story of this one is. I could absolutely have this one gal in our church occasionally. She's right. She's right. 
drops to her knees immediately, lays her hand on that woman's head, and calls her back to life. And when the evidence came, she was breathing, cognitive, and they took her off to the hospital. And my, my friend, after she got her coffee, got outside, got her phone out and tried to find out what hospital they took her to, but couldn't. And I don't know part two of the story, because I haven't seen her since to ask her. But, oh, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, gift of faith, I give you boom. What a story. Uh, and, and you may know this story from being associated so much with Bethel, but with Heidi Baker's ministry in Mozambique, in Surprise-O, um, I, I, get, I, never, I get it from Surprise-O as part of his name. I never get the whole thing. He's the, the, the lead pastoral overseer for all the pastors for all the something like 11,000 little fellowships that's over there in the jungles of Mozambique. In the community he lives in, they're small, little, poor communities, but in the community he lives in, he gets the word that is, well, my teenager, I think she was 10 or 11 years of age, I'm not sure about that, that the daughter of a family in town died. And so he went to the house, and their house is a really small, like that. The whole living quarters is no bigger than what we're doing here, you know. He went into the little uh, hut, the little house that was a comfort the parents. The daughter, the kid, is, is laid out on, on, on the table, <laughs> on the table. She's laying there on the table. She'd been now dead for about four hours when he got there, you know, about four hours. So she's laying there dead, and, 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 and he came to, to comfort the parents. So he's talking to them and praying with them and, you know, encouraging them early and just like, I would say by accident, <laughs> he's just talking and his hand is on the little kid. He's sharing with the parents. And all of a sudden, Bob <laughs> wakes up and gets up. Alyssa Kuma, I go get her some food. Now, I, I know that that's Probably you say that's pretty extreme. Well, that's, 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 that's pretty big. What did I, what did I scribble down? That's pretty big. Oh, did I, did I write that down? That's pretty, I haven't got it. That's pretty spectacular, you'd say. Now, it is pretty spectacular. But, but you know who is pretty spectacular? You are. That was what I call like presence evangelism, the very presence of Christ. And you as a believer is able to do super abundantly far more than you could ever ask or imagine, according to the power that's at work in you. Oh, there, there, there are just so many many stories. You know, we are designed to be lights shining in this world. You are designed to be lights in Cranbrook and the Valley. Cranbrook and the Valley, okay? So we, I would pray that our ministries, you're all called to the ministry. I thought I'd tell you that. The ministries and the life and the preaching is, is where we walk, live, where we live and move and have our being. It is where he's with us. And that, that we would begin to live by the power of, the, of signs and wonders and miracles and that we will really be witnesses of the fact that, that Christ is alive, you know. Oh, my goodness. You know, in the, in, in, in the early church, signs and wonders. I'm just about to finish that one little testimony here. Signs and wonders accompanied the preaching of the gospel in those days, okay? Authenticate, make, it, make the words real in, in the eyes of those who heard. It was a New Testament pattern, not just through the apostles, but for ordinary people. Who, who today feels that they're just an ordinary person? Is there anybody here that feels they're just an ordinary person? And the rest of you, 
the series when I asked the question. You feel like because Randy Carper said, this little old me, now come on. I know you feel like you're an ordinary person, okay? Ordinary man, ordinary woman. But we feel that, you see, we've forgotten to acknowledge the one that lives within us. So based on the New Testament pattern and the supernatural abilities that are, are available, you know, for each one of us, it seems appropriate to expect something. What's your expectancy level? Really, honestly, don't expect much to happen. You actually won't see much happen. Anticipation. Do we expect a wonderful action of the Holy Spirit to pour forth through the use and the means? Or is it just for the stars? Why? Here's where I am so challenged. I may, I'm trying to think about the timing because this word came for me in 1999, but I'm not sure whether it was, I thought it was relevant at the time, the times I was here. In um, 1999, Ruth Heflin came to check out what was happening. Anybody understand the prophetic moving, movement over the years? And some of you are older, would have known that name, Ruth Heflin. What a mighty. Uh, her book on the glory, I, if you have the glory in your library, you probably do. I hope you do. It's amazing. Great giant of a woman that just by her sheer presence could intimidate you. She's about six foot three, 300 pounds. Pentecostal holiness is the one. And when she moved, the room moved. But when she moved, the room moved in the spirit as well. Oh my goodness, I will never forget early revival. I was asked to go and do this massive conference in, in Washington, D.C., and the other two people were um, Judson Cornwall and Sister Ruth Heflin and me. Yes, I really rocked the boat because of this wonderful ministry. Well, it doesn't matter, it's time handmaidens and Sister Grenshaw. And I didn't know the protocol, I, so I, went, I got myself the, the most glamorous, jazzy, gorgeous, smooth pantsuit that you could ever imagine because I wanted to look like a sharp businesswoman, you see. But I discovered later, I have been known as a forerunner, I was the first woman in history to ever wear slacks on the platform. <laughs> in the meantime, I'm quaking inside because I'm right beside this woman of faith. Oh my gosh. She had to open, she had to open her mouth and everything would shine. Unbelievable. So anyway, she comes to catch the fire. Oh, no, she came to check us out. And we, uh, we had a time with her in, um, in, her, in John Arnott's office for a while and, and praying before the service began. And then she, and she gets up on the platform. And I'm hosting the meeting that night. So I'm standing over at the side of the platform. And she turns around and she points her finger at me. And she Evelyn pointed her finger at me. And you knew you were in for it. And she said this. Still gets me, and then it still gets me because of what I didn't do with it. Greater healing, greater miracles, greater emphasis on miraculous. I want you to see if you pick up one word through there. Greater expectation, she was King James, greater expectation in thine heart. For as the expectation comes, the miracles shall happen. As the expectation comes, the day, the sign shall come. All according to the expectation of thy heart. If you shall expect it, it 
shall be. Expect the unexpected. <laughs> Expect what you've never had in your ministry before. Expect the fullness I've, all, I've called you unto. And she would unto much more with miracles, signs, and wonders, healings, and deliverances, and the glorious change, and the glory, etc., etc. And then she said to me this. And know this, saith the Lord, it's on thee this night, who not in former ways, or in former expectations, or in former plans, but every time consider it may be your last moment to minister. And minister in the fullness, and minister in the fullness, and minister in the fullness, and you shall see the fullness come forth, saith the Lord. such a good stroke. That was definitely one you wanted to put in your file and let it marinate there. And probably 10 or 12 years later, I was speaking at a conference with the city in the Niagara Peninsula. But for some reason or other, part of my message, what I can't remember what it was about, had to do with expectation. Oh, I thought, oh, ha, 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 yeah, oh, yeah, I thought that, okay, I'll pull that out. I'll pull that out. And, I, and I, I started to read this to the people at the conference, the women's conference. I started to read it. And as I read it, I'm getting wrapped as I realized I have not expected one single thing. I walked in. I hadn't stirred up that. I hadn't, it, 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 they were nice. Remember, I told, uh, if you were here Friday night, I said, for goodness sakes, go back to your prophetic words that you've given and do something with them. I can't make this Stir yourself up in position. And so, I have somebody here sitting in the front row that can be like a little spur. <laughs> and she keeps spurring me on. Are you expecting? Are you expecting? Are you expecting? I think when you've had, oh, oh, yes. See, when you've had much in your life that has created hope deferred, then to be able to, you know, to release yourself to the Lord, not to be able to change your mindset from expecting hope deferred to expecting fullness, then, you know, don't you wish he would snap his beautiful fingers and we instantly came in to, well, work out your salvation. <laughs> Not work for it, not work to keep it, but work it out now. With an awesome regard, the Bible tells us, Philippians, that tells us, you know, we can't do it in our own strength, but trust Him to lead us and help us fulfill it. And so I leave that with you, you know, this business of expectancy. As Paul said in Romans 15, 19, in, in many signs and wonders by the power of the Spirit of God, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. You know what? Just the ministry in church. Church is such a safe place to do ministry. How about in Tim Hortons? How about in the, in the car lot? How about, you know, out in the field? How about in the boat in the lake? How, wherever, wherever, wherever you are, carry him with you. And if we were walking day by day by day, and I'm not talking about being religious, I'm talking about walking in a day by day um, awareness of who it is that's there within you, I, I think we'd be more ready on the spur of the moment at his. Oh, for me, it's a, for me, it's a 
such a still, small voice. I know that there's three-dimensional technicolor visionaries in the room. Bless your little hearts. There's the rest of us. <laughs> and we recognize that, you know, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, here we are, back to Peter. I we being drawn to that point in our lives as believers in Christ that we can say, as Peter said about the man at Gate Beautiful, which is, I have, I give you. I have. That's what I give you. Which is, I have. I have a revelation of who we are in Christ. I can't move on to something else. Which is, I have, I give you. I give you, I give you. Until you get it. I think that Peter was one of the original possibility thinkers. I really do. He'd heard and he'd seen what Jesus had said. I'm not going to take time to go back in the scriptures now. Luke 7.23, when he's, when he's uh, talking to um, uh, John the Baptist's followers, because they came to him because John's in jail, and I think he's feeling his times are pretty short. You know, John, John who, who, you know, broadcast the word that Jesus was the one, but now he's in jail, he's about ready to lose his head. You know, and he sends word to Jesus saying, um, um, is that wrong? Just go back to John and tell him what you've seen and what you've heard. No, the lepers are healed, the deaf, you know, hear the blind see, etc., etc. Peter would have, been, would have recognized that. He heard me so. Then he also, I think he heard, I believe that when Jesus said, um, was it John 14, I think it's John 14, 12, um, those who believe in me, um, the same things I've been doing, you will do also, and even greater things. There was, oh, the greater things. I just say, oh, how about the same things? It started with the same things. And even the greatest, the greatest thing, as a matter of fact, the greatest miracle of all is leading someone to salvation in Christ. That's the greatest miracle of all, but that's, that's another story. I don't know. I mean, some of your Bible people say that these words were added at the end, at the end of Mark 16, but you would have heard Jesus express this over and over again. These fall, signs will follow those who believe. Those what? Those who believe in what? Those who believe in Jesus or those who believe the signs will follow? What do you think? In my name, they will cast out demons, they will speak with new tongues, they'll take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, by no means hurt them, they'll lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. I think he came to the point where he actually believed it. Also, and, 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 and he didn't even have a New Testament to read. Oh my goodness, he didn't have history, but he sure knew something. And as a gift of faith was released within him, get it. May you be people who are giving testimony to one another without apology. Not, uh, and bold, Paul, Paul said, I won't boast about myself, but I'll sure boast about what I see the Lord doing. He did it. Can I ask you to stand? And can I ask you to get ready to put that back up on the screen, please? Okay, my brother. Would you, would you stand? Awesome. You are awesome. The potential. Oh, my golly. The potential in this room is not only... For this valley, but how about over the mountains, back to Alberta, and how about into the next valley over? Oh, my gosh. You've got your territory. And I know each one of you have an assignment. Maybe like Linda, or not like Linda, like Joy. What was her name? doesn't matter. Go to Tim Hortons. Janet. Go to Tim Hortons. What's your assignment? What's your assignment? And would you pray this afternoon, please? Lord, 
word says that you are able to do super abundantly far more than all I could ask or think according to your power that works in me and also that your presence accompanies me. Father in heaven, I want to actually believe it. Please forgive me for being a person of weak expectancy. Thank you for giving me your life and teaching me how to walk and live in the fullness of that life. Amen. I want you to say, gain power in the spoken word. There is. So I asked Pastor to put the thing up that you read before your offering. And I thought it was so rich. I thought it was so right for us all this morning. That's fantastic. Look at that. It's no mistake you don't even call it that. Oh, look at that. Come on. I am powerful, and what I believe changes the world. So today I declare, God has been a good mood. Loves me all the time. Nothing can separate me from his love. Jesus' blood paid for everything. I will tell nations of what he has done. I am important. How he has made me is amazing. I was designed for worship. My mouth establishes praise. Silence the enemy. Everywhere I go becomes a perfect help zone. And with God, nothing is impossible. Hallelujah. I can say to you, I'm not going to have a long ministry time. I really felt that I would like the opportunity to have an impartation time. And I can say to you, quite seriously, silver and gold am I none, but such I do have. I would love the privilege to just impart by faith. And it would be something like a, just a fresh release of rhema revelation, a fresh release of unveiling, a fresh ability to be able to see. Shredded, really shredded. And even though the piece, oh yeah, shredded, like the shredded shears, and even though it's, it, it's shredded, you now see, in the shreds, you see clearly now in ways that I just impart revelation. I'm wondering, could you just stand maybe around the wall? Or how would, how would you like to do this right here? So, Mary Audrey's going to come around. So just stand in a way that she can walk in front of you and just find yourself around. Go around, just make a big circle. Thanks for listening to our Sermon of the Week. Our desire is that you will be changed by the love of the Father and the power of His presence. For more information about House of Hope, visit us at www.ihope.today.